0: Hey, turn in your Bibles this morning. We're going to look at two passages. Mainly, we're going to put some roots in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and then I'm going to show you one verse in Isaiah chapter 11. So if you have an analog Bible, then you can go ahead and mark your place in Luke chapter 2 and Isaiah 11. If your Bible is digital, I have both. Uh, But if yours is digital, then you can just click on what to do when you get there. If you don't have one, it's okay. We have screens with the Bible on it. I don't know if you've ever asked this question, uh, but we're going to attempt to answer this question today. And that question is, God, why did you do that? Why did God do it that way? Of all the things He could have done, of all the ways that He could have done it, Specifically looking into the Christmas story, there are some things about this story that make it significant. Why did God do it that way? I mean, He's infinite. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. So He knows everything and He can be anywhere at all times. He's eternal. He had no beginning and He has no end. And yet, He chose a specific way to do things. We're going to try to answer the question today, why did God do that? Luke chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Remember, Joseph was the heir of the throne of Israel, and yet he was a carpenter in Galilee. Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, but was expecting a child. And just to make sure that we're all clear, that child was not his. If you're taking notes today, we have those on the back of your bulletin. We also have them at EuniceChurch.com notes. Point number one, there are times in our lives where God will pass over our humanity in order to reveal his divinity. God will pass over pass over our, our flesh and our desires in order to reveal what he has and what he wants. See, Joseph was settled and Joseph was satisfied. Joseph was content within himself, but God didn't want Joseph to be settled or satisfied. God wanted Joseph to be anointed and sanctified. That's who God wanted Joseph to be. That was his desire. It wasn't to just continue on. Guys, it's just a crying baby. It's okay. What are we for? Come on. Stay with me for a second. It's okay. If you haven't had a crying baby in a long time, I hope you have one for Christmas. And you remember. You remember what it's like to have to fight through that moment. Joseph was satisfied being a carpenter in Galilee. But God had intended for him to be a king in Jerusalem. What's the purpose? What's the point? Is that we've got to allow God to pass over the things that we want, the things that we were, in order to reveal to us who he is and who he created us to be. God knows what we've been through. God knows where we are but I need to help somebody today I want to make sure that you understand God knows where you're going and he knows what you're going to need all along the way see when God put Jesus in the belly of Mary he did not just see Jesus being conceived he saw Jesus tied to the stump being beaten for our transgressions when God put Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary, he did not just see the conception and incubation that would take place inside of the Virgin. God saw Jesus carrying the cross up the hill of Golgotha. When Mary was consumed about her pregnancy and how the world would perceive it, God saw Mary at the foot of the cross as her son was paying the price once and for all men. God saw Mary when she had to not just receive her son in birth, but release her son in death. He saw her put him in that tomb and seal that stone. God saw what Mary did not know was going to come to pass. And at the end of it, Mary didn't just have something to hang on to. At the end of it all, Mary had someone to hang on to. God will pass over our humanity, our desires, and our hopes in order to reveal His divinity. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says it this way, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and and secure. Now, okay, when I'm talking about hope today, I'm not talking about like the I hope nobody sits in my seat when I get to church kind of hope. That, that's not what I'm t- I'm not even talking about the I hope LSU kicks the tar out of Oklahoma next Saturday. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's just a, some of you may be an oh me. Whichever one you fit into, I still hope it <laughs> for me. But I kind of hope Jalen Hurts gets hurt. I'm just saying. I don't want him to get injured. I don't want him to get injured. But if he limps over to the sidelines for a couple of plays, I'm just saying, they punt it back to us. We score a couple of touchdowns. He can come back in. No big deal. Oh, man. It's football. Buckle up, buttercup. (laughs) Should have played baseball, son. Hello. Come on. That's why I wasn't out there. I knew better. God didn't make 165 to get hit by 365. That just wasn't the way that it was going to work. I hope I kill a wall-hanging buck over Christmas break. I hope I do. In fact, just extend your hands towards your pastor right now. Anybody that operates in the prophetic, if you would just begin to speak, I receive it in the name that is above him. I hope those things. But those those, those are not the kind of hope that I'm talking about. Those are surface-level issues. See, the Bible doesn't say, I give you this hope as a hook to barely hold on to. I give you this hope as an anchor. He's not just talking about a surface-level issue. He's talking about the depths of your soul that other people can't even see. But when you have that hope as an anchor in him, you can hang on not just to the anchor but onto the one that is the anchor. My hope is an anchor for my soul. See, you thought you were suffering. You thought you were stagnating. You thought you were suffocating and you thought you were stuck. But God was stabilizing. And God was sanctifying. God was passing over your humanity in order to begin to reveal His divinity. I'm going to answer a 35-year-old question this morning. I'm going to help you all out. Maybe you've heard this song. Mary, guys, she did not know. Just trying to help you. Mary didn't know. Because if, because, just go ahead, it's okay. Because if Mary would have known, then Mary would not have gone. See, if God began to tell you everything that he has for you, (laughs) you'd avoid it. If Mary knew what was going to come to pass as she continued to be obedient, then she may have passed on what God had. But because she did not know, she learned how to trust God wherever he led her. She learned how to trust God, and she learned how to hope the hard way. See, God is not a messed up older brother. <laughs> I was God wasn't. So like, when Kelsey was younger and she was my little sister and we were up in the treehouse and I climbed down and I was like, "Kelsey, jump. I got you." I didn't mean it. So like, when Kelsey jumped, I moved. And Kelsey didn't bite the dust. She bit her knee. (laughs) Because when you hit the ground that hard, knees go. (laughs) She was flexible, too, y'all. I mean, her knees went over her head. She turtled. (laughs) And then my stepdad gave me a revelation through a rod. just saying. God God is not a messed up older brother. That's, That's not how he is. God is a heavenly father. See, when I had our first child, we... When Megan had our first child, <laughs> how that works is not, anyways, so when Megan had our first child and, and she began to grow, we would go down the street to the park and, and, and she would play and there was this moment where she was, she was hanging from the monkey bars and I refused to grab her. I, I, I wanted her to know that she could trust me and so she had her back to me and I was right behind her. I mean, my hands were around her waist the whole time. I wasn't going to drop her, at least I didn't think I was, okay? Not on purpose. And I'm saying, Adeline, it's okay, let go. Let go, I've got you, let let go, I got you. And so when she, I don't know what they're doing, (laughs) but apparently they're having fun. So praise God for kids being able to come to church and have a good time. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. I said, Adeline, come on, I got you. And Adeline let go. And I called her that time. What's the point? The point is that sometimes, would you please go over there and tell her to come up with some other kind of entertainment for those kids. (laughs) The point of that story is that sometimes, in order for us to receive what God has, we've got to let go of what we know. In order to receive... What God has, we've got to let go of what we know. Isaiah wrote it this way in chapter 11, verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. See, Jesse had to be cut down to a stump. His humanity had to be cut down to a stump. His desires had to be cut down to a stump. Jesse, the father of David, the one from which the heir to the throne would come, the one from which the Messiah's line would be written. Jesse had to be cut down to a stump because from his roots, from whose roots? From the roots of the one who cut him down. From the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Number two this morning is there are times in our lives where no matter the season... God will prune in order to produce. Now, I don't like prunes in any form. But I definitely don't like being pruned. Like, nobody sets up voluntary appointments to have things cut off of them. Right? That's, that's not like, hey, can I do that on Christmas Eve so I can show my family on Christmas? Like, I really want them to see. No, you, you avoid that at all costs. Because being pruned is not something that's comfortable, but it's something that's necessary in order for us to produce what God intends. Guys, think about how how our hope came to this earth. Think about how Jesus was born. It was hard. It wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. It had to be hard for Joseph to believe that Mary was pregnant. By the Holy Spirit. It had to be hard to carry the weight of birthing the Messiah and and fulfilling 366 prophecies. It had to be hard. What's, What's the point? The point is that sometimes God will frustrate you where you are so that he can fulfill you by who he is. God will frustrate you with what you're finding fulfillment in. Because he has so much more for you. He is so much more for you. And you will never find fulfillment in any of those things that you are attempting to find fulfillment in. And the promise of Christmas is not just that he came, but he's coming back. But it's not going to be easy in the middle. But we have hope as an anchor. See, I believe that how Jesus chose to come into the world, it reveals and shows us the nature of how God wants to work in our lives. See, when you come to Christ, that doesn't mean that everything's just about to be easy. It doesn't mean that now everything's just set up for success. In fact, when you come to Christ, when God begins to use you, when he passes over your humanity and begins to reveal his divinity, when he begins to prune you so that he can produce what he has for you, that can be a painful annoying hurtful process it's not ideal and if we miss the struggle of Christmas then we miss the significance of how God works and how God wants to work in our lives if it were easy anybody would do it we think it's going to be easy when God says he's going to do something in our lives but most of the time it's the exact opposite It wasn't an ideal circumstance for Mary and Joseph. It wasn't an ideal circumstance to truly be pure and be a virgin and yet have to try to explain Immaculate Conception. It wasn't an ideal circumstance that God would allow the king, the emperor, to require a census, and he would put a woman, and only the ladies, only the ladies can empathize with this one, He would put a woman in her third trimester on the back of a donkey for 100 miles for 8 to 10 days. Listen to me. Only God can put a pregnant woman on the back of a donkey for 8 days and get away with it. The rest of us would be dead. We better hope that baby's born because our line was going to end with us. If we try to do that, only God. And then think about how difficult. He could have put him anywhere, and yet he led him into Bethlehem where there was no place to stay. God, why'd you do that? I mean, I would have made, like, at least a reservation of, like, send an errand boy ahead or something. Like, give him a letter. Reserve a place. Speak a Ritz-Carlton into existence. I I don't know. Holiday Inn, express them. I mean, something. Give them a warm breakfast the next morning. No, no, no. They woke up in manure. (laughs) The only thing steaming in that room. Yeah, get a picture of that. Why there? God, why'd you put him in a stable when you could have put him in a palace? Because God likes to do things the hard way. Because we don't remember it when it's easy. And when it's too soft, then that's where we stay. We become settled and satisfied with less than God's best. And we don't fit into biblical history. Think about biblical history for just a moment. King Herod began to try to annihilate this Messiah that was supposed to come. And so he began to murder every baby under the age of two. Well, that had happened before. And God sent Jesus and Mary and Joseph to the same place that he had delivered his people from before to answer the prophetic message that out of Egypt the Messiah would come. And now we know that what he's done before he can do again and even better because those people remembered the story of Moses. They remembered that God came to Moses in a burning bush in the middle of the wilderness after 40 years of being forsaken. They remembered that God sent a stutterer. Most scholars would agree Moses had some sort of speech impediment. Exactly what it was, they weren't sure, but he stuttered or spit or something whenever he was trying to speak. Okay? And that's why you don't sit right here. This is the splash zone. <laughs> just letting you know. By third service, I'm foam. Okay? It's just... The way that it is. And Moses was sitting to Pharaoh. And the Bible says, And God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he may reveal his glory. Because if Moses was an eloquent communicator, then he may have walked in there and convinced Pharaoh and thought it was because of his ability that God was able to do what he did. But when he made Moses a struggling stutterer, And he sent him in before Pharaoh, who said no. Moses had to say, now what? And he had to lean in and trust God. Not in Moses' ability, but in God's. Not in what God had even given him the ability to do. But in the way that he was willing to be obedient, even when it didn't seem like he had the ability. Can you be obedient? when you don't feel like you have the ability because those are the places where God re- begins to truly reveal himself like David going up against Goliath now I'm I'm the oldest brother my parents m- my dad and my mom they split when I was two my mom remarried my dad remarried so all my brothers and sisters are half brothers and sisters I'm the oldest of four three half brothers and one half sister I'm the oldest I'm the biggest the strongest. So I can relate not so much to the eighth son, not so much to the little brother David who had a slingshot, but to the older brother Eliab who had a sword. And God said, I don't need the oldest, I don't need the strongest, and I don't need your sword. In fact, it's not your sword that's going to win the victory, it's mine. I don't need somebody that thinks they can win the victory. I need somebody that knows that I can win the victory. So David was chosen as a boy with a slingshot to take down a giant that only God would get glory for. Gideon, we got 32,000. We ready to fight. Uh, Let's dwindle that down to 10. And then let's go down to the river. Whoever laps like a dog, whoever doesn't. They're going to go home. I'm going to leave you with 300. Oh, by the way, I'm not worried about your weapon or your preparation because you're going to go stand up on top of the hill with lanterns and jugs and you're going to start worshiping me. You're not going to fight. You're just going to praise. Oh, that we would be a people that we remember that the greatest weapon that we have is when we begin to worship in the midst of our struggle, that we would be a people that would begin to praise God no matter what we have, no matter where we are. And remember, it's not because of us that we win the victory, but the battle belongs to the Lord, and he will reveal it through the people who will give him the glory. Gideon, I don't need your weapon. I don't need your people. What I can do, I can do with a remnant of obedience. See, God could have taken a different route out of Israel, out of Egypt. He didn't have to lead them straight into the teeth of the Red Sea. I mean, if I were Moses and I led those people out and then we got to the Red Sea, I'd be like, probably should have gone another way. Uh, I mean, I'm going, but I don't know if all them can swim or not. <laughs> and God says, no, no, no. Take what you have and lift it in the air. And then he parted the sea. And the Bible says they walked through on dry ground. It wasn't soft. It wasn't easy. It was firm. And the only way that they saw what God had is when he released what he was holding on to. And he presented it to the Lord as an offering. See, God wants to prove our root system. God wants to show us real hope. I stole this from my daughter, and if I want her to know, I'll tell her myself. This is a bouncy ball. If you can't see it, she won it at Chuck E. Cheese. No, Mr. Gaddy's. We don't have a Chuck E. Cheese. Although, if somebody would want to build one of those, that would be phenomenal. And I'm kind of running out of places to take my kids, I'm just saying. I don't know if you've been to Lafayette recently, but if you want to challenge your Christianity, I'd recommend Ambassador Caffrey this afternoon. If you have a New Hope sticker on the back of your vehicle, please remove it before you go. (laughs) Maybe grab a sticker for another church, advertise for them. we got this bouncy ball, and and, and the thing about this bouncy ball is that it, it only does what it's supposed to do whenever it meets the right surface. See, if I take this bouncy ball and, and I put it on the softness of this chair, it's going to bounce, but it's not going to go where it's supposed to go. It's, it's not going to do what it's supposed to do because it's too soft. And if I go down here to this wooden stage, then it, it still may bounce, And I could probably throw it harder, but there's some cracks in the board, specifically up here where the chair is, because when I first got here, we tried to baptize people in the tank on the stage, and every time we walked, we heard a crack, so we stopped doing that because we wanted to baptize people in water, not broken boards underneath the water. (laughs) So so now we do it. It wasn't anything, like, really exciting that we put it on a trailer in the student center. We just knew we could control that surface. (laughs) But that ball, it, it just doesn't bounce as well. On the wood, in the cracks, and all the things. And honestly, it doesn't really bounce as well on this carpet as it should. But the point is that when you get down to the hardest surface in the room, when you get down to this concrete, that ball, although I didn't throw it any harder, if I did, I didn't mean to, it still bounces higher. Why? Because the harder the bottom, the higher the bounce. The harder the surface, the higher the bounce off of the surface. Now, I see some of you thought that you had hit rock bottom. But what I came to tell you today is that you haven't hit rock bottom. You're about to bounce back. God is preparing you for where you've been and where he's about to take you. And if its surface was soft, then you may get stuck and you may stay there. But when your faith is on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ our Lord, it doesn't matter how hard you hit. It just matters that you don't stay in the place where you hit because God has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you and you are going to accomplish what he created you to accomplish when your foundation is found in him that's the significance the struggle of this story listen to this story we read over it every year it's like oh it's so beautiful no this thing was a struggle 8 to 10 days Somebody else's baby, no place to stay, obedient all the way. Verse 13 of Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, Suddenly. I'm believing for some of you to have a suddenly moment this Christmas. Everything that you've been struggling with, everything that's been stagnating and stifling and suffocating you, you think you've been stuck. But God's been making it hard so that you can walk across on dry ground. And when you come out on the other side, you will no longer be a slave to fear or to somebody else. Because you're not hanging on to someone, something. You're hanging on to the one that created all things. Listen to this. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven they're praising they're praising in the midst of this problem praise is their answer glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. they're calling this favor Mary feels like she's being forsaken And all of heaven's calling it favor. What does that mean? It means that the things that we see... And we feel like we're fallen and we're forsaken. And we don't feel like that God can do anything with where we are. It's actually the exact opposite from heaven's perspective. He's got you right where he wants you, baby. He's about to get ready for you to have a suddenly moment. And all of heaven begin to boast, not in your ability, but in your obedience and in his anointing to take you and produce something out of that pain, out of that problem, out of that issue. All of heaven, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, not only is heaven going to recognize what's on you, but the people in your life are about to start recognizing it. Hang on. Suddenly, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. The baby was lying in the manger. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word. They wouldn't have told a simple story. Nobody wants to share your simple life, nobody's gonna testify about your good days. That's not who people are going to go talk about. No. A testimony comes out of a test. And hope comes when things are the hardest. That's when you learn the lessons that you never forget. And that's when people begin to tell your story for you. Because there's something that stirs on the inside of them that if God can do it for you, then maybe, just maybe, perhaps, He can do it again. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Verse 18, and all who heard it, all who heard it, this church isn't growing because of our worship team. This church isn't growing because of our dream team and our leadership team. This church isn't growing because of our staff. This church isn't growing because of my leadership. This church is growing because you're going out and you are sharing of the greatness and the glory of God, despite how hard it is to stay faithful. And so there's something inside of that testimony that people are drawn to. There's something about that kind of healing that people want to have in their life as well. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Watch this, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. See, Mary may not have known, but she never forgot. If she would have known, she might not have gone. But when she learned how to walk with God through the hardest thing that she had ever faced in her life, she learned to trust Him in the next thing that she would face in her life. She treasured those things up and pondered them in her heart. Final point this morning. No matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, I came to remind you this Christmas My God is still standing. He is a firm foundation. The Bible says he is a rock and my deliverer. He is a fortress. My God is still standing. I don't put my hope in my bank account, my 401k, or my future. I don't put my hope in other people. Another other places I put my hope in the one that is an anchor for my soul firm and secure cut down to a stump but a shoot comes forth. The root produces a branch that produces the fruit of why God had me. Your bank account can't handle your hope. Your friends can't handle your hope. Your family can't handle your hope. Your future can't handle your hope. You put your hope in Jesus because he is an anchor for your soul. Firm and secure from that Into forever because everything else that we put our hope in will pass away. But my God, hide your hope in Him when God seems silent, when it seems like He's not responding, when you can't feel Him, when you don't even sense Him. That's where faith is built. My faith was built when God seemed silent. My faith was built when it didn't seem like I could claw my way out of the mud on my own. My faith was built when God put hope into the hardest thing that I ever went through. I don't make my faith subject to my feelings. I make my feelings subject to my faith. It's not always easy. Don't you put me on a platform I don't deserve. At the end of the day, I'm just a 35-year-old husband and father. Faith in it as we make it. And we make it in him. My hope does not have to know how. My hope just has to know who. Don't put your faith in a thing. Put your faith in the creator of all things. He is a heavenly Father. This Christmas might be the best one you've ever had. Might be the most anticipated, most exciting. It may be the one I can look across the room and I know so many stories and so many people. For some it's the best. For some it's the hardest. But my God is still standing either way. My God is still faithful either way. He is still rooting hope in deeper places. Disappointment is not the end. Disappointment is the doorway for you to develop deeper hope than you've ever had before. It's only when we're cut down to a root. John said it this way, and I'll bring this thing, thing in for a landing. Isaiah said, From the stump, a shoot. Out of the root, a branch. John said, In the words of Jesus, not only am I the shoot, I'm the vine, and you are the branch. Abide in me, and you will produce much fruit. Put your hope in me, even if it came from a stump, which is the perfect place for God to begin something fresh and something new. Abide in me. And you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. It's the reason he came. It's the reason that he's the shoot. This Christmas, I'm prophesying over every single person in this room that your hope is being reborn. I'm prophesying over every person in this room that your hope is being redeemed. Not in another person, not in another place, and not in another thing, but in Him, the one who came and the one who's coming back, even though sometimes the middle is not so easy. If you would bow your head with me, close your eyes this morning. God, I just pray right now for every follower of Jesus in the room. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here that this Christmas is going to be difficult, God, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. I pray that they would be encouraged by this message today. That hope comes from the hardest places. And the harder the bottom, harder the surface, God, the higher we get to go in you. The more the enemy attacks, the more that you have planned for us. Because even the devil recognizes divine destiny. So, Lord, we hang on, not to something, but to someone. And we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in the room today that has not put their hope in you, they haven't surrendered their life to you, they haven't received your salvation, God, maybe they have, but they, for whatever reason, drifted away or stopped following you and stopped living for you. Lord, I pray that they would understand that the greatest gift they can give this Christmas is right now themselves. Lord, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, I pray right now that they would be willing to admit, believe, and confess. Lord, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, You want to give the greatest Christmas present you've ever given to God by just surrendering your life, receiving salvation, refreshing your commitment to Him, dedicating, rededicating, or really dedicating your life to Jesus. In 10 seconds, we're going to pray. And if you want to be included in that prayer, as an act of obedience, I want to invite you just to lift your hand right where you sit. Just lift your hand and say, hey, that's me. I want to give him my life right now today, right where I sit today. No longer do I want to wander through this life on my own. I want to give him my hope. I want to put my hope in Jesus. Faithful, firm, secure. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. Lord, thank you for the hands that have been lifted. Lord, thank you for every follower of Jesus in this room. Thank you for the salvations, the restorations that happened in 2019 that are happening right now. If you lifted your hand, even if you didn't, I want to invite you right where you sit to simply open your hands in your lap because it's your turn to receive. Just open your hands right in your lap as an act of obedience to God and release whatever it is that you've been hanging on to. Release the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the concern, the animosity. Just release it. And now, together, let's pray this prayer of confession. Church, I want you to help me. Every hand open, every heart ready to receive. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, forgive me where I gave up hope, where I put my hope in the wrong things, in the wrong people. Lord, take my life, take my hope. I put it in you, I surrender. This Christmas, I receive your salvation. I believe you gave your life so I could live. May I follow you with all my heart for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name.